Hello and welcome back to the Discomfort Zone. The, today's episode, I'm here with two guests, and we're going to be talking about Hinduism and we're addressing its stereotypes because. In a society where we live in, where um, we're from London, and there are, it's it's a very diverse area, um, there are obviously many religions, and that also comes with many stereotypes. So we wanted to address some of the uh, misconceptions that there are about uh, non-Abrahamic faith. So, Nitya, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, hi, I'm Nitya, and I enjoy studying biology, in particular genetics. And I am a Hindu myself, and often in life I find myself coming across people who are misinformed about my religion and often make assumptions. And so here I am today trying to help you guys understand a bit more about Hinduism. Perfect, that sounds good. And Davina? Hi, I'm Davina. I'm very interested in music, and like Nitya, I'm also Hindu. Um, I'm just here to help inform you guys on some stereotypes that I've come across particularly in society or with people at school, just so that everyone's a bit more educated. So, without further ado, the first question. Um, the first stereotype that I've come across, um, honestly, probably the biggest stereotype, is um, about Hindus, the nature of Hinduism as a monotheistic or a polytheistic faith. Um, just if anybody is listening and isn't too familiar, a monotheistic religion only believes in one god, but a polytheistic believes in more than one deity. So... Um, I often come across the stereotype that Hinduism is a polytheistic faith, which is understandable if you don't know too much about it. But, um, Nitya, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so, one big misunderstanding is that we're a polytheistic religion. We do have multiple gods, but at the end of the day, just similar to Christianity, they're all one god. Um, they're just different incarnations of the same gods. Um, and so, essentially... We're monotheistic, and all those different gods you see are all one. So when you say um, when you say like Christianity, do you mean the Trinity? Yeah, I'm referring to the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are considered to be one God, and similarly, we consider all our incarnations to be one God. That's nice. Um, I'd say it is a fairly big misconception. Um, it's. When you look at Hinduism, you see that loads of different gods and you think it's polytheistic because there are so many, but they are, as Nitya said, different forms of the same god. And they're different because they're different ways for oneself to get close to God. So you can believe in one of them, you can believe in many of them, um, but it's just how you decide to further your connection to your own god if you do believe in it. And I think that to classify Hinduism as polytheistic isn't really capturing the fact that it's that you can just choose because Hinduism is quite a free religion like you can pick if you want to believe in one or if you want to believe in many and which one you think would be best suited to you so yeah it's ultimately like it's it's all leading to the same god would would I be accurate in saying that yeah exactly <clears throat> i think um i grew up in a liber- in a hindu household as well so um I've noticed that when I talk to other Hindu friends of mine that uh, they say that they believe in uh, this god or they, they believe in the same gods as me, but they um, worship a different god at home. So what do you think about that? Do, do we choose a god? Um, I think it depends on how you were raised. Um, I just think it depends on how um, our ancestors were and then that leads up to how we were raised and what we believe in. And 
um, I think it's not wrong to believe in different gods. Um, but personally, I know from my own personal point of view, I believe in um, the Saturn god I worship too because that was the last incarnation of God. And so my family believes in the fact that that incarnation of God embodies all the other incarnations that came before that one. And similarly, I understand why others believe in different incarnations. But at the end of the day, um, it was an incarnation of God and it just... Um, leads to the same. It leads to the same outcome. Yeah. Is it... Um, wh- which God did you say uh, you um, I believe in Swaminarayan. Oh, okay. There's a temple for that in London. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd say I personally believe in Durga. Uh, it's not essentially a choice that I actively made. It's more of how I was brought up and in my home, that's just what we believed in. And essentially it was because of where we came from in India. And I feel like that's an important part for Mm -hmm. Hindus across the world. They usually connect with a God associated to where they are from their home country. Um, And yeah, yeah, it's just an important connection to have that. It connects you to your ancestors. It connects you to God. You just feel more interconnected to other Hindus and your own community. And yeah, it really is just leading to the same point of being with God and being as close as you can. No, for sure. I mean, if the, if they are essentially uniting communities, like um, if you have festivals for a certain God, um, it does bring people together. I um, My family grew up uh, worshipping a, a saint, a Sai Baba, um, but that doesn't mean that we don't believe in other gods too, because obviously we would use uh, Shiva idols as well in Ganesh. We do puja to Ganesh. Um, puja is a religious ceremony. So I wouldn't say it's mutually exclusive either. Um, I've, I've definitely heard of Durga Devi and uh, done prayers to her too. So in a way that unites us as well. Um, but the stereotype that it's a polytheistic religion and I've, I've heard we have billions of gods, that's not necessarily the case because we don't. Um, and we don't believe in multiple uh, multiple gods, we just believe there's multiple incarnations. But um, Davina, you raised earlier that Hinduism is quite a liberal uh, faith. It's not necessarily as strict as some of the Abrahamic faiths, I'd say. Um, so I think also even the monotheistic and polytheistic point um, is fits into that category some hindus may say it's polytheistic and that one it could be debated um but every hindu that i've come across has said it's monotheistic and widely misunderstood um do you think that there are any other parts of hinduism that strike you as this is largely um due to misinterpretation um in mind i'm thinking about uh, the origins of hinduism and the, the regions in which hinduism is practiced um i've heard that I've heard that Hinduism is only limited to particular regions in Asia. What would you say about that? Um, I'd say that Hinduism isn't restricted to anywhere, really. Like all other religions, it transcends where you're from and what type of person you are. It truly is just what you choose to believe in. As in most people see the Abrahamic religions and think, yeah, it's like the top three. It's what you go for when you're not religious or you're looking to find a religion. And I think that that can be wrong in some aspects because you want to look at what connects with you most as a person and how you feel like you want to get close to God. Um, in some aspects, the Abrahamic religions can be quite strict in some ways with certain rules being like, if you do this, it's a sin, story over, like you're going to go to hell. But with Hinduism, it's very liberal. Like they're not, It's not telling you, you have to do this. And if you don't do this, you're not going to heaven. It's more of a you can do this, you can choose to do this, this is what we think is right for you, but if you choose not to, 
it's not the end of the world. You can still decide for yourself what you as a person want to accomplish. Right. And do you think do you think that um, that is limited to a certain area like um, those, like you said, that mindset? Is that only limited to certain people then? Oh, of course not, because anyone can have that sort of mindset. It doesn't depend on where you're from. I feel like it has a lot to do with what type of family you're around, what type of people you're around, and the culture and what you interact with. And it can't just be limited to one area at all. Um, Yeah, I agree with Davina in the sense that it is quite a liberal religion. However, um, I don't know about you guys, but... Um, when I was younger, I studied religion, and I, in particular, I studied Islam and Christianity, and I found quite a few overlapping things, which made me realise they may be the Abrahamic religions, but Hinduism also has quite a few similarities in the sense that we have the same sense of idea of what's right and wrong, morality, and we still share the same ideas of um, being monotheistic, not stealing, not committing murder. And I find, in a sense, that even though we're segregated from the Abrahamic religions, we are quite similar to them. Um, and in the sense that it's not, it's liberal, um, in some of our religious scriptures, it does try and guide you. Um, God is omniscient, but it's also up to us and who we decide to be. So, for example, I know a lot of our outcomes in life determined by God um, is determined by how much greed we have how much anger we have and how much of our worldly desires we control and so I think it is quite liberal and I think that's what I like about it it's upon our actions that is what determines what happens with God and our relationship with God. I, I definitely have seen that overlap between uh, the Abrahamic faiths and some of the Dharmic faiths. I, I always find it interesting to see that how how the beliefs have changed over time. And like I said before, with uh, the actual geographical region, I, I it's so interesting to see how nowadays in Western society and Eastern society, you have hugely different values. And it strikes me, does that arise from religion? Because... I I I think that if I when I go to visit India for example I will I'll see a whole new world I'll see morals that are just normalized that I don't see here for example modesty is one of um one example that comes to mind it's it's more liberal here Mo- modesty I've definitely seen communities where that's a huge and significant thing but um I'd say it's less important in western civilization and I think that does arise from religion in a sense um, I'd say that in some aspects it does arise from religion, as in some areas in India are very strict with how modest you are, like cover up completely and all of that. Um, but I don't think that's essentially a religious thing. Mm-hmm. In some aspects it could be, but I feel it's more cultural. And the way that I've always been taught by my family is that you can wear what you would like depending on the audience. So if I'm going out with friends, then... I can be a bit more risky because it's just me and my girls and we're having fun. But if I'm in front of my grandparents or my family, it's almost to show respect to them by saying like, yes, I'm not going to be wearing things that would make you uncomfortable. Um, Just to be respectful to them in that way. Would you say that? um, It's interesting to say that because I I know in Hinduism, one belief is uh, about respect to your elders and um, especially how you gain their blessing and respect. So would you say that 
respecting of the elderly people in your presence and the people who have helped raise you is that not religious then um i haven't actually thought about that to be honest (laughs) it could be a bit religious in some ways if you believe in that as a religious aspect but i feel like it depends on what type of hindu you are because not all of them believe that respect comes within the religion, but more of a cultural thing that's been passed down. Yeah. I feel like it really does depend on where you've been raised and your family and just how you've grown up. And so the situation around you. Nitya, um, on that topic, uh, I'd like to ask you about culture and religion. Um, like you said, it's a more liberal uh, religion, which means if there's less rules that you strictly abide by in all circumstances, it can be influenced in my opinion. But do you think that Hinduism or Hindus are influenced by culture more? Um, That's the interesting question. I feel like a lot of it stems from the way in which your parents are raised. I know a lot of families who are raised in similar ways because Asians are just very (laughs) like, um, there's something about us, you know, something about the elder generation just being very strict. And I mean, good for them. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of us may have issues with us. But um, I think we turned out pretty good. We have good futures ahead of us. But um, I do know, regarding, like, the covering up, Davina said, a lot of it is to do with respect. And it's just culture. And one thing I like about respecting the elderly is just it reminds you to be, um, to show humility, you know. Mm. You're not on top of the world. And maybe you will be in the future, but even then, there's someone above you. You just need to keep your head, um, you just need to stay humble. And that's what I love about respecting elders. They know better than us. And maybe they're not right all the time, but it's still just showing respect about where we came from and being grateful to them. That's, uh, that, that is so true. I think, uh, on the topic of religion, I do think that Hinduism does entertain it does promote that and i think a lot of other religions do too um but just a little sidetrack um just because it's a bit controversial um nowadays especially with our generation generation z (laughs) was it z or z um yeah generation z so um no gen z (laughs) the idea that um uh, we should respect our elders and obviously i i actually so I agree with you that it is humility, it reminds you that you're not on top of the world, it keeps you down to earth. You can still have respect for yourself, but respect others too. And out of that comes that um, idea of should you respect your elders when they are clearly being disrespectful? What do you say about that? Just a quick sidetrack. Um, I think we don't need to be rude about it. Like, we can stand our ground in a way that shows respect to them still. And if they take it the wrong way, um, I think it's more about helping them see it rather than telling them it. Because they think they're older. And yes, in a way, they've known more than us. But in many ways, we don't all know everything in this world. Mm -hmm. We're still all learning, even when we're old, grey, and think we know everything. (laughs) Um, So in that sense, I think we should just find a way that connects with them. And they may never get it. They may never. But as long as you know inside your heart what's right, I think that's all that matters. Maybe just spread that influence to your future kids or families and just make sure other people around you know about it as well. Exactly. In, the way, in a way, the way you present yourself is empowering your own argument. That's really good. <laughs> a really good thought. So um, let's go to the next stereotype that... 
I've heard, actually, I just asked a few friends about this. Um, we come from a very diverse school. So we have almost every, I think we have every major world faith or most of them. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. So. so we are able to get different perspectives. So we asked a bit about um, their st the stereotypes they've heard or what they believe about Hinduism and uh what we can talk about. So one uh, response that I got was that the only major festival in Hinduism is Diwali. <laughs> so Davina, would you like to... I see you nodding your head, shaking your head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely say that the most major festival is really not Diwali. As in, sure, it's the one that most people are aware of because, yes, it's a big festival. There's lots of fireworks, there's lots of lights, everybody's out. I'm sure people who aren't Hindu are aware of the amount of traffic that you get at night <laughs> on those firework days. Um, but it is a celebration of light. So it makes sense why there would be loads of fireworks and why we're celebrating like that. But it's not necessarily the biggest festival. As in, in some aspects, you can say that it's actually Janmashtami, which is when Krishna was born. Um, and I'd say that that's actually the biggest festival because it's a time where most Hindus are fasting and you can do that however you want. You can do the, um, where you don't eat for the day and you only eat at night. You can do, if you aren't vegetarian, you can be vegetarian for that whole month. You can do ektanu, which is when you only eat fruit in nuts and water throughout the day and you have one meal at the end of the day, but you can't get up during that meal because if you stand, then it's broken. Mm -hmm. um, so you can fast many different ways, which I feel like is a good aspect of Hinduism. It gives you that choice. Um, but also, other than fasting, you're celebrating, you're out there. Um, there's a kind of festival thing called Garba, where you go out, usually on a Saturday, most weeks, um, and you're dancing and you're interacting with your community. And it really just helps bring people together. And there are so many events during Janmashtami that really brings every Hindu together with their fellow Hindus, which is really important. And it does way more than Diwali. Because personally, during Diwali, yes, you're going to see fireworks, but usually you're only interacting with your family. Whereas with Janmashtami, you're kind of forced to interact with everybody else, mainly because you have to visit loads of temples during it as well. I think I have two things to say about that. One is I've understood, like, you know, meeting the people around you, strengthening the community, that's really an important factor in determining how important a festival is. I mean, it is all subjective. Like we said before, often we will worship different forms of God. So even that would be heavily dependent on the family. But, you know, when you bring a community together, when you learn more about your faith and when you celebrate, I think that's what's important. So to say that Diwali is the only one is highly incorrect because we have many, many festivals. Um, but the second thing I wanted to mention, uh, another sidetrack, but we mentioned previously um, about the overlaps between the Abrahamic faith and Hinduism. And you've just mentioned the different types of fasting. And I think it's so interesting that um, in Hinduism, we have different types of fasting. And like I said, the fa uh, the f there's one fasting where you give something up. And that reminds me of Lent in Christianity. Uh, a lot of my Christian friends give up fish or give up meat or give up chocolate. That's a very popular one. <laughs> um, uh, and then you, uh, the other one where you don't eat or drink at all. That reminds me of Ramadan when my Muslim friends will fast 
um, during uh, the day for one month. And the final one for nuts and fruits. I'm, I'm not too sure about which specific fates have, but I have heard of smaller fates on more segregated, separated islands where that, that is their tradition of just eating the um, most essential foods uh, needed to survive. So that's, that's just my thought. I think that Hinduism is very flexible, like you said, and that just that fasting example is a great example of it. Nitya, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree with Davina. It really does bring a community together. Um, for example, I'm quite introverted. And in that sense, when I see someone, I just don't want to talk to them. But, and I'm terrible at dancing. I cannot dance to save my life. So when I do go to Garba and stuff like that, you know, there's people around me who are trying to dance. And I just go with the flow, with the community. And... The, the best part about it is when, not only when you pray, but also when you are playing, dancing together, you have to join with strangers. And, you know, when there's not big enough group, you join the strangers and there's nothing bad about it. It's like you've known them forever, you know. There's something uniting us all together. Mm. And it's just a beautiful moment because I haven't gone in years, unfortunately. Um, which I'm ashamed to say because <laughs> I really wanted to go this year because it was something I missed. But... Um, yeah, I still have those fond memories of when I was younger and I begged my dad to take me every day of the week, even on the school days, to go. And it just reminds me of, no matter the like um, the day it was, good or bad, I'd love to go. So, um, also the freebies are a really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it really does unite the community in a way that I don't usually feel. So yeah. Uh, no, it, it, I mean, Davina here still does request to go every single day of the week. It's worth it. It's just so amazing. If you don't like Garba as a Hindu, like, I, I don't understand it. You just have to. It's a very key part. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm not that uh, religious uh, practice-wise either, but I love Garba and I love the community and it brings everyone together. And I know non-Hindus go as well and love the atmosphere and the food, the people, and they learn a lot about the faith. That's another great thing about Hinduism. Like, all the festivals are open to everyone. Absolutely. It's yeah. a very inclusive faith. That's the thing I love about it. Yeah, uh, that's another stereotype. Like I said before that, it's only for a certain type of Asians, for Indians. But I know that the origins of Hinduism are from the Indus Valley. So, um, yeah, so Hinduism is actually from uh, originated from the Indus Valley. It's an area near Pakistan now. And um, the, the people in that area were recognized as Hindus. So in a way, because I am a descendant of them, we are all descendants from them, we are Hindus. So which is why many people think that Hinduism is um, inherited as well as just, you know, learnt. Um, sort of like Judaism. But... Uh, Oh, I've got my initial point, <laughs> but the the fact remains that it's inclusive to everybody. I've seen um, articles on how to become a Hindu. I've seen uh, people who aren't Asian at all uh, travel to these countries, learn more about the faith, visit temples, and find their spirituality. It's definitely not just restricted to a certain uh, type of people. And I feel like, again, with the stereotype that it's restricted, you also forget that many of the Abrahamic religions have stemmed from one place but are now completely across the world. But the stereotype that they're for a specific type of people has kind of died out recently, um, which I feel like will happen in time with Hinduism and other religions because with time, it does spread like most things do. But 
I have a question for that. Hinduism has lost has been around for thousands of years longer than um, any of the Abrahamic faiths. So why would you say th- what, 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 uh, why would you think that um, more time is necessary now? I feel like with Hinduism being such a lenient religion and not being enforced upon people, it's the rate at which it has spread between people has been quite slow, even though it's been around for a really, really long time. But considering the Abrahamic religions, uh, some particular parts may say that by spreading a religion, you're doing something good and it's will help you get closer to God and to heaven. And that's why you want to spread it more to do a good thing. So I feel like because that's not enforced in Hinduism, it's spread been slower. So it has been constrained to a particular place for a much larger amount of time than the Abrahamic religions. And that's why the stereotype came up. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to give my own opinion on that. I personally think that it's to do with culture. I think that um, a lot of the Hinduism, uh, Hindu uh, beliefs and practices have integrated into culture in these geographical regions, which is why it um, becomes so ingrained in society that certain morals are right or wrong, even though we may not necessarily be able to explain why. Personally, when I go to India or just when I'm here, my parents or my grandparents tell me I should do something. It always, uh, there's that little voice in my head that challenges why. What's the significance of this? Is it religious? Is it cultural? I I really would like to know that distinction between the two. But because they're so integrated, it means that it's not something you can enforce upon someone. It's not something you can make them convert to. It's just a way of life. And that's a description of Hinduism that I've heard since I've grown up, that Hinduism is a way of life. It's not a religion. Um, That one's highly debatable. Some people think it's religion. Some people think it's philosophy. Um, So yeah, that itself, (laughs) you can call it a stereotype, but it's highly debated. So there's no right or wrong answer that we can say over here. Um, Yeah, I definitely agree in the sense that Last time I went India for a holiday, I was told to cover up and stuff like that, you know, because Western clothing is much more different to Indian sort of style. And whilst they have modern clothes there, quite widely available now, um, they have different ways of like wearing the clothes. And I wondered, why do I have to cover up? And one, I learned that showing stuff like cleavage and stuff is a sin, which I totally understand. It's just something I don't like to do anyways. But in other aspects of covering up, I think it's not really religion, but more of just showing um, respect to yourself or just like, you know, being more comfortable than having to worry about, oh, is my clothes on the right way? Like, you know, am I showing anything indecent? And... um, one thing I like about it is it's a way of life. It's not we're not co- we're covering up for other men not to see. It's not due to that. It's because it's just a way of life, you know. Um, and I know people don't cover up when they go clubbing. Like there are freedoms in India, so I don't think it's like a very repressive society or anything. So that's what I like about it personally. It's it's just a very humble way of living life. It's. It's very, it is very subjective. And if you want to, you can cover up. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, It entirely depends on your own personal philosophies, which is 
as we said, influenced by your culture, your upbringing, your religion, if, if, all sorts of factors, really. So um, it's a hard one to address, really. Um, like I said, they're so integrated, culture and religion, especially in these regions, um, that it's almost impossible <laughs> to determine. And even when I ask my, I, I will ask my grandma or my mom why, or which, is, it, is this because I'm following Hinduism, or is this um, just a family... Um, it's just, just a family um, a tradition, and I don't always get the answer, <laughs> but one day I'd like to find out. So let's get to the next question. This one, um, sorry, I haven't said the question yet, but I, I really think this is one of the most fascinating <laughs> rumours that I've heard, and I, I would like to call this a rumour rather than a stereotype, because I haven't seen it as... Um, largely in the media or in books or just presented uh, by scholars largely. But uh, it definitely is one that my non-Hindu friends tend to acknowledge or, dare I say it, believe in. So <laughs> the, the question in mind is about cows. So um, I am hoping that the people who are listening today uh, do know the basics about uh, Hinduism, but if not, that's completely fine. Um, Hindus uh, are often, uh, they, we often have a stricter diet than other religions. Um, we are, some, some Hindus are liberal and eat a lot of uh, meat, but, and others are very, very strict to, um, where they won't even eat some root vegetables. Um, so it re there's a huge spectrum. But one thing that the, I, 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 I would dare to say all Hindus will not eat is beef. Um, anything from a cow, or if not all, the majority, absolute majority, because that is a very significant part of Hindu belief that is um, considered to be a part of the way of life. So uh, would you like to tell me any about any of the stereotypes you've heard about cows or beef? Um, I feel like the main stereotype is that cows are really holy and are worshipped, that everything about them is just completely sacred and can't be touched. And in a way, that is kind of true because cows are very much respected but I feel like one thing that many people don't see is this story that my dad has been telling me since I was five <laughs> literally I've heard it every year multiple times throughout the year it's a very <laughs> it's a loving story um but the main reason why Hindus are seen to respect cows is because back in the old days when there were villagers and farmers a cow was the one thing that could provide everything that a family would need. Like, you can get milk from it, you can get food from it, you can help it, and it would help your field grow, and it would just be a way to sustain your life, and it was all you needed. So because we have progressed from that, and we don't need to rely on an animal like that anymore, because technology has advanced, the world has advanced, to respect what our ancestors did, we respect cows by not killing them and eating them which does sound quite blunt but it is what it is i've not actually had that story before so thank you for sharing that i've heard more about um cows being uh, from krishna um which i'm sure nitya will tell us more about shortly um but yeah that's true uh, cows were definitely integral to agriculture so it makes sense um so i personally haven't had that story either but <laughs> but um I do believe in the fact that Krishna really, um, he really respected cows and he believed 
he showed that that was one of the most important animals and I'm not quite sure about how that went about but I do know um I do know that we consider cows really holy but one misconception that really bugs me is that we pray to cows and that we drink their urine maybe um and that is absolutely incorrect I will tell you that today that I will say with certainty um no we do believe they're pure and I know when if for example they're so pure that we may use their urine for example to purify something so if someone died in a household before you before you moved in or something you can use the cow urine just to purify the house you know just sprinkle it in the air but it's nothing like too much um but otherwise yeah um um, I just wanted to add to the point of Krishna really loving cows because Nitya didn't really elaborate elaborate on it as much as I thought she would. But I just wanted to say that I personally have learnt that Krishna was really in love with cows because he really enjoyed eating butter as a child. <laughs> and I feel like that's something that many kids can relate to because who doesn't love extra butter on food? Um, but yeah, he really loved it and he'd be always breaking into it and getting told off by his mum. Um, so that's kind of a way of why he respects cows so much, which I thought people should know. <laughs> no, 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 the story of Krishna and, um, you, if you see a depiction of, uh, Krishna, uh, which you can search up online or even visit your local temple, <laughs> um, he will often have a cow with him, uh, which I find very sweet. Growing up, Krishna used to be my favourite, uh, Hindu god, <laughs> so I would always like looking at the cow. <laughs> Do you want to carry on? Okay, so um, the next question... Oh, yeah, so I, the actual stereotype that I've heard um, more recently regarding the coronavirus pandemic, yep, and cows, has been the this absurd idea that um, many Indians or Hindus have been using cow urine as a way of fighting the virus. Like you said, Nitya, by perhaps drinking this urine um i have seen this uh this go wild on the internet recently and i just have to give my two pants i don't think that's um interpreted correctly at all Um, can i just make clear that if people do drink cow urine it's nothing to do with religion that's their personal choice and their personal belief as a hindu and someone who knows other hindus of different um people who worship different gods um, I know for a fact that we do not tend to drink their urine as a normal thing. Um, and personally, I know I've never heard of a Hindu really drinking cow urine. Yeah, and I'd be very, very surprised if someone was to say to me, um, really the scripture told me to do that because <laughs> that's it's, it's not there. That That's not what we were told to do. If anything, from our ancestors, we've learned that we should respect the cow. That does not in any way mean if you are sick or in a coronavirus pandemic, you should drink cow urine. That is misinterpreted as a Hindu belief. I'm fairly certain that although it says to respect cows and all of that, I don't think it actively says to drink cow urine because i don't know but that doesn't seem right it doesn't seem very appealing either (laughs) yeah i think our religious scriptures are quite straightforward as well it literally tells us um not tells us but it makes it quite clear and concise what is expected of us and what is not and 
I feel like it would have just been out there. It wouldn't have beat around the bush or anything. Mm. It would have just been there, like, drink cow urine and it's not. So, just to make that clear. There is um, certainly a lot to do with cow uh, dung. Um, and I've heard that of uh, traditions where they've used uh, the excrements of the cow to uh, flourish um, plant life. Um, they've used it around the area um, uh, <laughs> to promote, like, you know, growth in a way. But that's not necessarily to do with um, personal use of it. So I, th- I think there's a very fine line when you are talking about... Um, somewhat sensitive topics like this because it's it's very easily it's very easy to slip into a stereotype or uh, like I said a rumor even um there are some practices which will be using similar um similar concepts or just similar um images um but that doesn't necessarily mean that and somebody's interpretation of it is reflecting a religious belief accurately and that can be applied to pretty much all of the questions so far about stereotypes. Just because somebody interpreted it some way does not mean that that's what the religion condones or promotes. Because, And that's the same for all faiths. Um, but I think in this podcast in particular, when we're talking about Hinduism, which is largely due to interpretation sometimes, and like you said, um, with scripture, it's, it wouldn't be fair to just accept what somebody said without doing a bit further research as well. So let's go on to the next one. Um, This one is going to um, be more related to events in the past, especially regarding conflict. Uh, It's about pacifism. And obviously there have been many religions where pacifism isn't ingrained within the rules. Um, But there have been some denominations which have strictly followed the practice of not engaging in any violence. Would you say that Hindus are pacifists? Um, as in pacifism in itself is a word that kind of denotes pure, purely peace. And I feel like I can't exactly say that Hinduism is a, a pacifistic religion. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, in the past in India with wars and everything, which is a majority, bleh, a majority Hindu area, <laughs> um, it has been difficult in terms of whether India should fight back and in most cases it hasn't and it has generally gone gone along a route for pacifism and has decided to always try and go for a peaceful negotiation and avoid conflict wherever possible and I feel like that's more to do with um, avoiding murder and sins like that which can be seen as a similarity to other Abrahamic religions um, and I feel like Hinduism in itself isn't pacifistic, but it does promote being peaceful, but it does promote when you do need to fight back, you can. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's hard to make a clear ethical theory out of this, but, um, I agree. What, from what I've seen from religion, uh, from Hinduism, you don't, you don't resort to violence unless there is a justified reason to do so. And that ju- the fact that it's so vague does depend a bit on um, does depend a bit on interpretation. I'd like to know what you think about that, actually, Nitya, because you said that it's quite uh, straightforward and clear in scriptures what we should do. So, do you think that also applies to violence? You maybe maybe not. Um, I think violence is often um, something that is not encouraged in our religion, but it is 
used ex- in extreme conditions. I wouldn't say when needed, but in extreme conditions, because um, I know ever since I was little, politics in, in I'm going to generalize it to India for now, um, and this is just my point of view. But I've always been frustrated. Always asked my mom, why does India never fight back? Why there's there's border disputes? China just killed our men on ambushed our men. I was soldiers i mean they martyred they literally martyred um the lives why are we not fighting back why are we always so diplomatic and i think it comes down to a bit of both um we only tend to take action when it's extreme and now what what is extreme that's my question um but i think in general as an assumption um I feel like we tend to go towards the most peaceful option. And I feel like, I don't know, is that cultural or religion? It could be both, but I'm not sure. Well, seeing as we are talking about India here, I, I don't think we can make a clear distinction. I, I think that we have a majority Hindu population for sure. But technically, India is a, um, it's a secular country. Uh, Hinduism is not the national religion. Of, it's not the religion of India. So it wouldn't be... I don't think it would be fair to say that it's um, religious. It may be cultural. Um, in a way, that, like I said, religion influences culture. So that majority population could be influencing the diplomacy. Um, but Nitya, just to counter a small point there, like um, just put it out there, I'd like to see what you say. Um, as I said, we are generalising. Um, a lot of the times India won't use violence. It will uh, tend to resort to the diplomatic um approaches to a conflict um but just recently there have been also non uh, not so peaceful ways of responding to um any conflicts or tensions uh, for in my in my mind i have kashmir right now so um do you think that religion is impacting this because i personally think that um the majority muslim population in pakistan and the majority hindu population in india has does impact this so if I, I think it's a huge um, factor influencing the tensions between the two. So if that is one of the, if if that is the case, and if you think that is the case, how do you think that we can resp- a country would be able to respond in a secular manner? Um, definitely, I feel like religion is hugely involved. Um, when you look back to before Britain or the British Empire invaded India many of these religions were living side by side and it was okay. And then after Britain split India up into pieces, you can you could say that there was a lot of tension along the borders between the religions and many people had to choose what side to be on. And the majority of Hindus decided to stay in what is now India and the majority of Muslims decided to go to Pakistan and for each of their own reasons. And there was a lot of tension um, I don't know enough about it to tell you exactly why, um, but I feel like that is the gist of what happened. And because of that history and that tension between India and Pakistan, it will be really difficult to respond in a purely secular manner, considering that the people in power in both of those countries have been raised in homes where they are aware of what's happened. They know that why there is this tension and you can't purely raise someone in a you can't look at a baby and be like I will raise you in a secular way because one day you'll be prime minister you can't do that you you're obviously influenced by your religion so the leaders of both countries have been influenced and responding in a completely secular way just doesn't seem to be possible 
that that's a perfectly valid argument. And I think um, I also think that because a, a lot of um, Kashmir, the region that is being fought over, uh, has a population of Hindus and Muslims, I think it would be difficult to make that without considering that as a factor. But do you think there's any stereotypes regarding that? Um, I feel like I don't know about stereotypes, um, but I'm gonna um, build on what Davina said and. She talks about the split between Pakistan and India, and that's I think that was as a result of the British rule. And I feel like we're still having the knock on effects that are ruining millions I mean, hundreds of lives um, over in India and Pakistan because there's so much hostility for hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, I live in the Western society, and I sometimes see people that um, are like not so friendly to me because I'm Indian. And they're from Pakistan. I'm not saying this for all Pakistanis. I mean, I have a lot of people from there, which I love. I mean, you know. (laughs) Yeah, our school. I have many friends um, whom I genuinely like. But um, politically is what I'm talking about. Politically, there's so much dirty politics and so much corruption on both sides. Not just one, both sides. And there's propaganda coming out from both sides. So it's really hard to understand what to believe in unless maybe you're in the situation yourself and again because there's hundreds of years of history behind these two countries it's so hard to come to a decision on it may be for religious reasons but I personally feel after the divide it's had the knock-on effects due to the British rule and the hostility has just accumulated to such a level where um Kashmir is just I'm considering it a proxy war for both countries at this point like it's it's not just religious reasons. There's other reasons to it. And it's not understandable because I've heard of propaganda coming up from both sides. And that's why so many people are on one side than the other. And so many are on the other. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's very hard because... At the moment, there's so much tension between the two countries. No, I agree. It's impacted religiously, politically, historically. But I'd like to go back to what you said about um, in in London, us being um, told, uh, like, uh, viewed a certain way. And um, I, a personal experience that I've had is I've had somebody um, tell me that they don't respect Indians because of what Modi's influence in Kashmir right now. And I was taken aback by that because... I can completely understand the viewpoint, um, the political viewpoint against uh, what is going on in Kashmir. But I didn't, I didn't understand how somebody would be able to generalise that to people who, A, have no influence over the politics in that country, and B, may not actually support that country. For example, the person who told me that knew I was Indian, I have an Indian heritage, but I have I was not born in India, neither was I raised there, and I have absolutely no political influence in India whatsoever. So I didn't understand the idea of how that would lead to me uh, not being respected as a person. And secondly, my views on Kashmir weren't mentioned at all. And I think that what you said about the hostility, the tension that is raised, is reflected. I know that that person came from a household that was, um, that it came from a Pakistani household, and uh, she herself uh, said that um, 
that was something that uh, she she told me, she explained uh, the background and the views she'd been told. And I could tell that that was very different to the stories that I've been told, whether I believe them or not. So uh, that, that just stood out to me, the idea of the tension between people, even far away from India, well, 8,000 miles away, we're still influenced by that. Um, just a small addition to say, uh, this is in no way re- representing our views on Kashmir because th- that's not what the episode is about. It's about how uh, religion can influence things and the stereotypes about that. So I think that when we mention Kashmir, we're focusing more about the influence that that has had and the tensions and how Hinduism has uh, Hinduism and Islam has has influenced those uh, differences. Um, so I think yeah, that is definitely something we have to consider when we mention. Um, how stereotypes can be raised because stereotypes is feeding into this uh, misconceptions if there's any misconceptions it leads to more tensions if there's more tensions it, it's not resolved and i think living in a multicultural society is one of the best ways we can combat that because if i was raised somewhere else i don't know if i'd be able to be in a position where i can understand somebody else's perspective and try my best to ignore any biases i personally have if i talk to someone from pakistan any aspect of me that is <laughs> that believes in something uh, from an Indian perspective, I will try my best to keep it unbiased. I want to know somebody's perspective from their personal beliefs, experiences, and what they're arguing to be able because I will in no way be able to combat or agree with what they say if I don't understand it. And um, so that's why this podcast episode is so significant to me. I think addressing the stereotypes is one way we can understand things. Um, whether you believe in an Abrahamic faith or whether you believe in a Dharmic faith, if you understand one another, it shouldn't matter. There won't be divisions between you two apart from your faith if you are able to live with one another. Um, another question that we're go- that I'm going to go to now is not so much about stereotypes, but we've mentioned it various times throughout the episode about uh, influences and uh, tradition and culture. So... It's more about moral dilemmas and uh, controversies that arise where, whereby many people will be using religion as their guide to figure, discerning what is right, what is wrong and how they should act in a situation. Now, Nitya and Davina, both of you have mentioned previously that you think Hinduism is more liberal and can be interpreted, but you've also stated that you can use uh, scriptures to guide you on how to do that. So Nitya, I'd like to go to you first and um, uh, hear your views on how Hinduism can influence our decisions on controversies. And the three that I would uh, just throw out there is abortion, euthanasia, and uh, um, other ethics such as um, homosexuality, transgender rights, which are all arising now as um, their, their, their conflicts... They're, they're topics of interest, especially to religious believers and secular people. So what do you think Hinduism, either, how do you think Hinduism influences our views on this? Um, so I think in general, Hinduism about is about um, not taking life. It's quite a peaceful religion. And um, so in general, I'd think personally that it would be probably against taking another human's life especially because that is a god-given life it's pre- um it's a sacred life and we have no right to take it 
because we don't know God's plan. Um, but I consider myself subjectively to be more of a liberal Hindu. And so it, due to the society and other environmental factors, I do understand where other people come from when they want to take an abortion or euthanasia or like other things that um, that may be com- controversial. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not against it. It's just religiously, um, I feel like, I guess it's up to you because again, Hinduism is quite a um, a liberal religion, and similar to other religions, our actions base where we go mm. in the afterlife. So, if you want to go um, and undergo a treatment or something, that's totally up to you, and I um, I don't think anyone else's opinion matters, and that's the relationship between you and God, and it only matters um it's only about you and um do you think intention matters in that intention it's a very interesting question um i think intention does matter i don't think anyone goes out of their way to have an abortion for malicious reasons yeah i mean it's quite a personal thing i mean i think only people who actually are in the situation can understand how serious it is and so as someone who has not experienced it I can only try to be empathetic and try and understand a fraction of what they go through and and from that perspective I do think that is up to the person's choice how even if it's not compatible with religion um because at the end of the day again I will reiterate Hinduism is similar to others in the sense that we are judged for our actions and I mean I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a defining point I mean it may be a defining point in your life but I'm sure you're a good person it's about what's in your heart and your other intentions too Davina how do you think this applies to um I want to say murder but even that word itself uh presents some biases so I'd say just in generally um ending one's life um I feel like, as Nitya said, it is a God-given life and it would be difficult to take it away from yourself and to put that pain onto other people. Um, But I feel like Hinduism in itself is a liberal religion and it does say that you shouldn't do things. It's not a harsh, you can't do this. It's a, this is what's right and you should follow it. So in some aspects, you could say that... Yes, doing it isn't completely against religion, but it is against the morality that is within the religion. It's like a subtle innuendo throughout Hinduism that says, I know it says it should do it because it's not pressuring you into it, but it really is what you need to do. What you make it to be. Yeah, it definitely is what you make it to be. Um, So in in like a murder aspect, it is quite tricky. Um, I mainly wanted to speak about because Amrita mentioned transgender and all of that um yes like the whole community it is tricky when it comes to Hinduism because obviously there is that stereotype that Hindus aren't very welcoming to that sort of thing but I feel like it's not being Hindu it's more of a cultural aspect very heavily cultural because like ancestors weren't accepting of it as in, we all know that in the past, 
this happening would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, openly being gay or trans or however you identify would have been completely unheard of. So in that aspect, when you think of culturally with India and Hindus, and like just generalizing for India, um, if you go to more of the rural areas, it is still very heavily, like you can't do any of those things. Very conservative. Very conservative. Like you guys have probably heard about honor killings and stuff like that, which is a really gruesome thing to do, but it does exist because of a cultural aspect. And to pin that onto Hinduism is a very big misconception. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that, um, like you said, Nitya, scripture is a huge aspect that plays um, a part into us understanding what a religion tells us to do. And I think if anybody really wants to know the truth about what Hinduism believes, then the scriptures are the way to go. Like, we believe in the Vedas, the four Vedas. We believe in um, uh, the Bhagavad Gita and other scriptures and the writings of saints and scholars. All of them can help you understand what the religion truly believes in, because it's been around for thousands of years. It would, If it was so easy to just say what's right and what's wrong so simply, it wouldn't be such a, it wouldn't be such a complicated religion. But it's spanned over time and over loads of areas and different cultures and communities. It's, it's almost impossible, like you said, to just say something is right and something is wrong. Um, yeah. Um, I think, um, touching on scriptures, one of the beautiful things about what I believe is reading the scriptures is that it's actually, um, most of them are written by God himself. And I remember recently, I actually found out um, that in my temple, there was a painting of God giving, um, was it the Vachnamruth, which is one of the scriptures to one of, I think it was Sir Malcolm from the British rule. And I was like, wait, is this real? Did this actually happen? And my mom told me, yes, God actually gave Sir Malcolm the book in his hand. And that's why it's in, um, I think it's Oxford Library. And so I found that really interesting because it's not just one book. There's multiple books written by God himself um, throughout various time periods he was on earth. And um, when I refer to God as he, I don't, he may be in a human form, but I think one thing that's in the scriptures I've read is that he may seem humanly, but he still has all the God powers. And it, one thing is not to doubt that he's God-like. And so I think that's also another misconception about our religion. Definitely. Like I said before, I grew up believing, uh, I grew up uh, worshipping a saint um, who was a physical human being. And I, I think that's what, if any Christians are, or anybody who's familiar with Christianity is listening, um, similar to how God incarnated himself in Jesus Christ, that's um, what we believe our saint to be in. So fully good God, but also fully man. And I think that in that way, revelation can still be made um, to humans, even to this day, or if some maybe some some argue to this day, um, Personally, the saint I'm talking about was in the 20th century. So it was it was not that far ago, really. And we do believe there's still interaction between the divine and uh, humans. So I, 
I I would be very interested in coming to see your temple and seeing that painting because now I want to go and see uh, the scripture. Um, but yeah, I think even in, uh, if there are issues arising, contemporary issues, and um, you know uh, the LGBT community, for example, is no way was it that this large and this influential. Um, uh, was it this influential uh, in history? Um, I think it's now bigger than it ever was and raising more awareness and demanding equality and justice more than ever. And I think if that's something that you want to focus on from a religious perspective, then Hinduism is a way that uh, you can uh, understand that because there's more contemporary revelation as well. And I don't think Hinduism is specifically against LGBT because I was talking to... Um, a girl who is LGBT and she's from a Hindu background. And in particular, she was telling me about how it's quite oppressive in the sense of people who are LGBT or identify other than what people consider the norm, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her, but aren't more people coming out as LGBT in India? There's been quite an influx influx of people. And um, I think this raises the point that it's not primarily religion but more culture and the bigoted minds of people um because she was telling me it's more the culture of people yes people may be coming out as lgbt but that doesn't mean people will accept them so i think that's where there's a fine line between what religion prohibits and what culture i mean what society accepts or doesn't accept um, yeah, like, I completely agree with that. Like, again, culture is very heavily strict in some places, particularly for Hindus. As in, I'm pretty sure, like, the whole Hindu audience is quite aware of strict parents. <laughs> um, like, it just gets stricter the further up you go into your ancestry. And, yeah. I, th- I think that taboos are a huge thing, that it's... The um, the LGBT community and also, like I said, uh, abortion and euthanasia, they may be frowned upon, but that doesn't mean that that's because of religion. So I think any anybody who generalizes saying all Hindus believe this about a certain controversial topic, that in itself is wrong. Because, because Hinduism is so diverse and liberal and there's so many different beliefs and denominations within it mm-hmm. that it would be impossible to say that for everybody. And that goes for other world religions too. But seeing as Hinduism uh, is one of the largest populations and also um, is just the topic of the today, um, I think that it's so important to notice we cannot talk about stereotypes in that. Uh, they are stereotypes. That's what they are, stereotypes. Because I, so, something that you believe in, Divina, may not apply to me. And something you think is moral nature, <laughs> I, I wouldn't agree with it just because you do. I mean... I respect all of you. I respect your opinions, <laughs> but I will debate you on it if I if I disagree with it. So yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I think yeah. One one more thing I wanted to ask you. Um, I, yeah, about on the topic of scripture was, uh, what is our scripture like? I think that's something. Uh, when we think of Islam, we we say the Quran. We say the uh, uh, Christianity. We think of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Um, what did th- what what have you been told about scripture growing up? Um, so the scriptures I follow, I don't tend to read the ones not written by God himself because I just feel like every, um, from a human perspective, they can be interpreted in so many different ways. 
And again, even with what God has written, there are interpretations to it. But I prefer to make my own interpretations or discuss it with my mom or something um, by reading the words of God himself, just because I feel like I may get, I don't know, it just makes me feel closer to God in that sense. Do you have any examples? Um, so I tend to read the Vachanam Ruth because I like, because actually when you do it with your heart and you close your eyes and you pick a random page, just open it up, a random page, my mom always tells me, even if you don't know why God chose this chapter for you, it will apply to your life pretty soon. And I kid you not, one time I got really emotional because like, every time I opened it, it was something that related to me right in that moment. Or sometimes, even if it didn't relate to me in the moment, a day or two later, I realised I've read about it. Like, I, I know what to do. And one time I was having some bizarre dreams and I opened the book and there you go. It was explaining dreams to me. <laughs> and um, it, it's also had some heavier topics, you know, about greed and wild, wildly desires and trying to control them, how to control them, um, why to control them. I think it answers a variety of topics. And I don't think it's a coincidence personally because I do believe in it. And I think if you just, if you just give your all to God, you know, submission's a big thing in religion. Um, so if you submit to God, I guess you'll get the outcome you want. And sometimes people say, oh, I pray to God for this, but I never got it. It's only yeah. sometimes. And that's something I've actually talked to my mom about. And I think um, one point I was discussing with her is, you always say God's going to protect me, but I can get hurt. And that's when I realised... Um, we may get hurt, but maybe God still saves our life. Mm. Or there's different ways of protection. Like you can protect someone physically, you can protect someone mentally. Um, so I was like to her, is it possible for me to get into a car crash? But just me surviving is enough. That's protection in itself, personally. Mm -hmm. You know, that's um, one less loss that my family has to suffer, my friends or my loved ones. They may be temporarily in pain, and so will I be, maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, God saved me. That's what I believe in. I love your story about um, the religious scripture. I think I've never heard about that. Would you say that's a bit of a religious experience for you? Yeah, it was quite a spiritual and religious thing. Because initially, when I wasn't as religious, I didn't really believe in it. I was like, how? Just how? Yeah, but <laughs> I, I've, met, I've met people of all religions who argue the same thing. I think in our generation generally, there's, there's a use, uh, we use our reason more. We, we think about um, what we're being told, we challenge it a bit more. Um, I'd be happy to disagree with people on this, but I do think that there's just a culture of questioning what you are told more rather than just accepting um, what your parents have told you or what you've been growing up with. So I think... Um, a lot of my friends, even though they are religious, do have those questions about, is this necessarily true? Um, and I, th I, in all faiths, actually, Christ uh, Christianity and uh, Islam especially, I've uh, talked to my friends who have um, questioned, like you said, is, does God, is God necessarily all loving? Does God truly love me and truly protect me if um, if that doesn't always happen? Uh, so yeah, I think we, we, we can only see what happens to us, but we don't have any knowledge of what didn't happen or what could have happened. So yeah, I agree with your message there. Do you have anything to add, Davina? 
Um, I feel like what Amrutha and Nitya were saying is that like scripture can help bring you security when you're believing in Hinduism and it can help you understand like what you're believing in and if you want to know more about it and if you're following it then that's the route to go and I completely understand that but I feel from more of a personal standpoint scripture wasn't the reason why I mainly believed that yes I am a Hindu I feel it was more like whenever I was praying I just felt at peace like you know when you're just living your life and you have so much stress you have so much tension everything that could possibly go wrong is just muddling itself in your head as soon as I stepped inside a temple or where I pray literally immediately I felt at peace I felt calm I felt good about myself and for like those moments I was free from all of my tensions and it's genuinely why I love being a Hindu and why I love praying and why I do it like literally every single day because it's the best highlight that I have it's like the only bit I feel good (laughs) yeah I just I feel calm and yes scripture tells you this is what you should do this is what you shouldn't do but I feel like growing up in a Hindu household that was kind of taught to me anyway culturally it the main point of why I have stayed a Hindu is because of how I feel about God and that genuinely, whenever I'm playing, bleh, praying, <laughs> like I'm not playing in there, I'm praying. Um, but whenever I'm praying, I do feel that, like, yes, there is a God and they do look after me. That, that was so beautiful. <laughs> I nearly got emotional there. Um, that brings me to another question, which uh, you've kind of implied that, uh, I think, that's why I'm interpreting that, uh, the liberal nature of Hinduism where you can choose what to believe in and to pray Um has helped you stay a Hindu? Am I right in saying that? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like as a child, I barely prayed at all. I didn't see the point of it. I didn't understand why I had to ring a bell and wave some random incense sticks at a picture. I really didn't get it. (laughs) As in, for all the non-Hindus, that's the most basic explanation that I can give you. Of one particular route of praying, I, I, I would, I'd be lying if I say, if said I didn't think the same thing multiple times. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> um, but yeah, just because Hindus, Hinduism is that liberal, I felt like even though I'm older and I haven't been following it my whole entire life, I'm not necessarily shunned out of that life mm-hmm. of being a Hindu. I'm still a Hindu. I was born a Hindu. I'll stay a Hindu just because I didn't pray for that period of my time doesn't mean that I wasn't a Hindu I feel like that's could be a misconception where people think that if you don't follow it or pray every day then you're not a part of that religion and it really just is up to you like if you want to pray once a month once a week you can still be a part of that religion and it's one of the amazing things about being a Hindu I think um, uh, one thing I wanted to say was the, stri- the fact that there's no rules. Uh, I've noticed that that means there's no downside of not praying or no shunning if you don't do something or there's no you're not looked down upon if you don't believe something. And that that's why I feel as though Hinduism, there's only positives out of its belief and practices uh, for you personally, because if you don't do it, it you're not you're not being told you're sinning by not doing something. Mm. It's only helping you if you do and that. It gives, it's a more, it's a positive boost rather than a negative. 
Um, I think what Davina said, you can only, you don't have to pray every day. Um, when I was younger, I actually used to take lessons on learning more about my religion. And one thing I learned is that there's like 13 different ways to get this, um, to pray to God. As in not physically, you can just listen to religious discourses, as in like religious talks or religious songs or like just read read the scripture, pray to God physically. There's many different ways to like feel close to God or just um, to um, feel close to God or pray to God. And they all equally give you this thing. I don't know how to translate in English, but it's called bhakti. And uh, worship, worshiping God. They're all different ways of worshiping God. And that's what I find beautiful because if you're busy, you know, in the background while you're washing the clothes, maybe put on like a religious talk or a song. It's or in the shower even maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's not so like set in the way you have to pray. Like, yeah, that's what I like about it as well. In my house, we uh, listen to, uh, we, we just played certain religious, um, you know, music, so a chant. So when I was younger, I used to fall asleep to those religious sounds. <laughs> so it, it also does build a sort of personal connection because now if I listen to those cassettes that I did when I was younger well, as I fell asleep, you know, it brings me back to my childhood, but also brings me back to the, the peace I had at the time. Um, I'd like to move on to uh, one of the questions uh, I had seeing as we talked about other world religions too and especially what we've mentioned recently about you know personal faith i think that's what um the liberal nature of it is a huge distinction from the abrahamic faiths um where it's uh, I, i'd say it's more um it's, it's stricter than hinduism which is very liberal so my question to you is do you think that hinduism is compatible with other faiths and you can take that you can interpret that question how you may just i'd be interested to see your responses um, so as a younger child, I always have visited cathedrals, churches, abbeys, all over England, across Europe, everywhere. And so I'd ask my mum, how come we're allowed to go to churches? How come we're allowed to go to um, gurdwaras or stuff like that? And she told me, I don't know if other Hindus believe this, but I definitely do. Um, so we believe that every religion is real. Every Abrahamic or just religion in general is real they're praying to the same god just in different forms and ways I've definitely heard that as in I was taught I was taught the same thing growing up exactly so that's what I find quite beautiful because I recently came across this singing group called Elevation Worship and they they um they believe in Jesus but when I listen to their songs I'm thinking of my God the one I worship too and in the same way I relate it and I really felt something in my heart I really did (laughs) you know it strengthened my faith in a way and similarly like so when I go to churches now I love lighting the candles reading the scriptures I sit down read the Lord's prayer (laughs) you know sometimes I just like you know I just pray there and that doesn't mean I'm being what I like about it, it doesn't mean I'm being polytheistic. It's still monotheism. Mm. That's what I love about our religion. I, Nitya, I 100% agree with you because growing up I had the same questions. I was like, so my question that I've had more recently whilst I was doing my religion GCSE was if there are fundamental differences between the faiths that 
some would say are you are unsurmountable, then how can we have faith that is, how can we have this idea that all of them are correct? And I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that question. But I think one thing that I've seen is the similarities between the faiths, like you said, and um, the messages that they send. And because they're so similar, like it makes it so, it makes it easier to understand someone else's viewpoint and share that between each other and like you said visiting churches and mosques like I absolutely love going to places of worship and going to different churches in different countries as well and mosques I like honestly I think it's such a beautiful experience because nothing about me entering that church or mosque is saying I am this I am that no and the fact is when you enter a religious um place usually people are very accepting and just say it doesn't matter your background your race your sexuality your um your financial status none of that matters you are a human being and your treatment and just your experience and your peace that is all that is matters in that moment and that's why i think that there's a fundamental aspect of all religions that is very similar if not the same and anything else i i would be bold enough to say that it may not necessarily be, it may not be that significant. I mean, I can um, completely go the other way in this direction too, but I think that the similarities and the personal impact it has is so similar. Um, I definitely say that Hinduism is quite compatible with other religions. Like mainly you don't walk into a place of worship and then you see people looking at you or you have to fill out a questionnaire being like, yes, I'm Christian, I'm allowed in here. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do that. You can just walk in, you can pray, you can connect with God in your own way. And I feel like most religions are quite free with that. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, then, you can definitely draw similarities out of different religions and you can find peace in whatever way you want to and you can identify with whatever religion you want like um like Amrita said and Niti said like you can identify as Hindu even though Amrita is not but you can identify as whatever <laughs> put me on the spot there <laughs> um so I was like I said it's so yeah it's so diverse um I, I, I don't know why, but I felt like I wanted to share this. I was uh, talking to my dad about different types of Hinduism, and he showed me this video where there are different types of, of uh, Hinduism. And one of them was really, really interesting to me because it just seems so paradoxical. It was like, there's a branch of Hinduism that is atheism, and essentially you don't believe in God. And I, I was very confused about this because... Hinduism is a way of life, so some people argue it isn't even a religion. But it, it just fascinated me that a suppose a religion is saying you don't have to believe in God. And I'm not exactly certain about the religious scripture behind this, and I don't know how popular a belief this is, but I but what I did gain from that was it's so it's so moldable and it's so like it, it, it you just change it to the person and what they believe and it's so accepting of that it's so accepting of what you believe in and your intention and it's more it's just about purity really and how you see that and I don't think that that's necessarily going to uh that I don't think that should lead to any divisions I think that it's a beautiful thing to believe in um <laughs> which <laughs> which is available to everyone regardless of the Hindu or not but yeah um so on the topic of uh 
different types of Hindus. Uh, a different, more controversial aspect of Hinduism that not everybody does believe in. I'd like to talk to you about the caste system. And this is a huge stereotype. Oh, I see some reactions. <laughs> there are a lot of stereotypes and misunderstandings about this, um, particularly regarding feminism, the patriarchy, and also just general uh, hierarchy in society. And um, seeing as we are talking about India and Hinduism here, uh, would you be able to clarify about the caste system at all? Um, okay, so there's a lot of divide in financial ways, social ways. Um, like, India is such a special country in the way that... We were such a rich country, but billions were robbed off us due to the British rule. And as a result, it created an even greater divide between the poor and rich. And as a result, we have cheap labour, first of all. So that results in many people becoming maids and stuff like that for the rich. And, I mean, um, I don't... It's very hard to describe. Yeah. Davina, I mean, like, Amrita. How, how, do you think, how do you think that links to um, religion? Do you buy any... Like, I... I don't think it's a religious thing. I feel like it's more as a thing due to environment. Like, for example, I know in Indian society in general, there's different types of um, classes. As in, when I say classes, I mean places you're from. So, for example, I'm from Sojitra, which... Um, and, I don't know, like, according to where you're from, you just have this sense of eliteness. <laughs> Like, you just feel proud of where you're from. Yeah. Like, no matter what class society you're from, like, it's a community. It's a community of people. And I'm thinking Davina can maybe explain this better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going to explain this well, but I'll try. Uh, I feel like, as Nitu was saying, the caste system is definitely not, like, a religious thing. It's very, very much cultural and where you're from and how you've grown up. And I feel like in some places in India, you can definitely see the, not misjudgment, well, actually, yeah, it's like people are misjudging others based on their caste and completely shunning them from their society and blocking them out. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of their religion, because in essence, they're all Hindu, but it's mainly because of if you're poor, if you're rich, or if you're from this particular sect of people. Like, you can have a caste where one of your ancestors did something horrible, and now you're being blamed for it because you have the same surname, you're from that ancestry, you're from that tree, and loads of people will judge you for it and stay away from you, which isn't good, and it's not right, but it does happen. That's not um, necessarily Hinduism. Yeah, it's definitely not Hinduism. It's purely based on your history, your ancestry, and, like, where you're from. And then going back to the point I made before when I mentioned honour killings, I feel like that is kind of to do with the caste system because in some villages, like, generalising in India, if you are with someone from a different caste, you can both be killed for it. And it's not because of your religion, but it's because of how blinded people are to the fact that over time people evolve you can't judge them based on their history and where they're from and how what hand they've been dealt in life you can't judge them off it because they could make something of themselves and I feel like 
that's a huge thing in India in the more remote places, not the modernized areas. Um, and it's a misconception to assume that that's based off religion. Um, like Davina said, it does happen in remote areas. Don't worry, you guys can come India. <laughs> you <won't. laughs> Anyways, um, what I was going to say is that India is developing a lot um, because they are coming up with systems to help the people in like slums or disadvantaged backgrounds. For example, I know that they have heavily reduced prices in supermarkets as in when I found out how much they have to pay I don't remember the figures exactly but it's quite accessible as in um like it doesn't revolutionize their way of living but it's a step towards where they should be going in life mm. they're starting to get more opportunities and I think it's better to have a place to begin than no place for them to start definitely so I feel like we are progressing as a society in India. We're not at where we should be, but the, I know that um, the government, I'm not, this does not reflect the entire government, but they are trying to help the poor to some degree. And um, a lot of them are actually being helped with their legal documentation and stuff like that. So I think that over time, we're going to get there. It's going to take a while, probably years, but we're going to get there. Hopefully. No, definitely. I think that what you said about there being a place to start is so true. And uh, the idea of Hinduism being involved in that, I do think it's because Hinduism and culture in India and also just our society is so integrated that, like I said, um, the misconceptions arise there. And that's what the problem is. But it's, it's good that we can separate that, you know, the caste system is uh, there may be religious beliefs that are to do with that but the idea of hating somebody or separating yourself from someone because of religion that's a misconception and that's what shouldn't be normalized <laughs> that shouldn't be a belief that is normalized by Hinduism because it's not true um I feel like definitely Hinduism has nothing to do with the caste system as in maybe in some aspects but not majority not in the majority, as in, in most cases, the issues with the caste system come up when crimes have been committed and the police are biased towards certain people because of their caste or because of how rich they are, how poor they are. And particularly in some really horrible cases where girls have been assaulted and their attackers have gone free, basically because of where they were born and what family they were born into, which doesn't sound right, especially in a Western world, um, but in more remote areas in Asia or in India, it happens. And I feel like it's not okay to be oblivious to the fact that it exists, um, but it is a start, as Nitya was saying, like there have there's been a lot of progress into the fact that the caste system does need to be abolished because you can't go free because of where you're born. You shouldn't have that privilege. I think um, what Davina said about the caste system, I do believe it's 100% cultural. Nothing in our religion says to divide people. Yeah. In fact, everyone's equal. Like, no matter what, we're all given everything by God. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, like, it's nothing to do with religion. It's more culture and corruption, really. Um, I feel like, for example, a big, huge case that roused me up is Sushant Singh Rajput, where 
India is finally waking up to how much corruption there is in Bollywood. I mean, the biggest stars which we have idolised for years and years are coming out as, like, they're being found out to be drug addicts who force other people to become drug addicts. Um, And on top of that, um, we're finally speaking for justice for the ordinary people and we're finally finding our voices to come together as a community and bring justice not rely on the corruption of the police to bring justice we're not accepting their excuses anymore um and i think this does come down to religion to an extent because religion and culture intertwined has taught us what's right and wrong inherently i guess um yeah and I guess now that we're seeing it in front of our eyes, such a huge high-scale um, Supreme Court case as well, we're seeing the lengths at which people, especially the powerful and rich, are going to hide their crimes. Um, I guess our inherent moral compass is showing us that it's not acceptable. And again, this plays down to morality from maybe religion and cultural corruption i love that idea i think it's one of <laughs> it's one of the most interesting questions where does our morality come from and growing up in a religious household i think that m- much of my morality and my beliefs do stem from uh, how i've been brought up i i mean definitely the environment that i've grown up in has a huge influence i i personally believe that one of the greatest influences that I've had is the school that I, the schools that I've been to because the student bodies have been so diverse religiously and racially that I've been able to understand more people and um, like you said that's a huge factor and I, if I was to relate that to India I think in India there's not that much diversity as like if I was to go to a school I would not see people of every color and every background and every race <laughs> so I think that's the huge the biggest step that one can make is the community that you surround yourself in and that doesn't necessarily have to do with religion but as I said Hinduism did stem from one geographical region the Indus Valley so it's completely understandable that in that area they'd be influenced by both that religious beliefs but also the environment that they've grown up in in that valley <laughs> so and the people around them so if there's a lack of diversity in the area i think misconceptions and tensions with other people is a huge uh, it's a problem that can arise but our mistake is in um, misinterpreting if that is due to the cultural or the religious aspect so i think that's a huge thing that could be changed going forward um, I'm not sure how, but like you said, the, the first steps are being taken for inclusivity. It's already an inclusive faith and um, just generally everybody's welcome. But I think that there's always room to improve. And one thing that we've learned is that, that that can improve in all aspects. So thank you so much for coming on to the talk. I just, just want to say I've absolutely loved having this conversation. It's great that we're able to do this um, you know, three young girls as well, talking about something that's so relevant today. And uh, particularly, I felt like I've grown up in an area where people haven't known about my faith. And I think it's so important to talk about that. And like you said, Nitya and Davina, like it's impacted you personally as well. So thank you so much for sharing your stories and, you know, coming onto the podcast today. Um, If you're new here, please do check out our website, www.discomfort-zone.com. We'll be uploading this episode, but also a few other links uh, that Nitya and Davina will be sharing if they're interested in uh, to the reading and the article 
and the temple that they suggested. So please do um, take advantage of the opportunities you have. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you soon.